0: Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. This weekly podcast, led by me, Ann Hamley, covers inside information that's not typically disclosed in commercial real estate, including insight on what's going on and how the game is played from the lender servicer side. I've spent my whole career in that side of the business, and I'm the founder and CEO of First Service Solutions, the nation's leading borrower owner advocacy firm. So with me, I'm very happy today to have Rob Pivnick. Um, Rob, I'd love for you to give a quick introduction of yourself and actually talk a little bit about why you created the firm you have today.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to be on. Thank you for having me. Uh, and I think you and I go way back to either when I was a baby attorney at Winstead, just starting out, um, or perhaps once I had moved to Goldman. I can't remember. But as you know, I was at Winstead for about seven years. And then I went uh, in-house at Goldman Sachs for about a decade um, until about 2000 and I think 15 or 16. And then I was in-house as general counsel for a super entrepreneurial real estate and private equity shop. Um, And then two years ago, actually, when COVID blew up, it was almost exactly two, two and a half years ago, I started my own solo practice.
0: I forgot, but did you start right before COVID or after?
1: It was like two months after COVID started. I think part of the the rationale for pushing me to do it was the remote work, everyone working from home. And I liked that. I liked not answering to anybody and controlling (laughs) my own schedule. And, you know, just kind of looked at my Rolodex and realized I had a a good
0: network and a lot to offer. So I decided just to break off and, and start my own shop. Well, I'm glad you did. You do have a lot to offer and we love working with you. So Um, so tell me, I think, uh, you know, speaking of COVID, there's no way, I almost think life, you know, there's BC, uh, and everything after almost feel like everything in our lifetime is going to be pre COVID or post COVID. Right. So, so what are some of the biggest changes that you are seeing in your line of the business? Uh, you know, I don't know if we can call it really post COVID, but now that the bulk of the COVID, um, is you know behind us? What's the big, what are some of the biggest things you're seeing?
1: Well, a lot, a lot of it. It's funny. We thought when COVID first broke, people were really paying attention to force majeure clause, and that's still the case from from my perspective. You know, I work with a lot of developers and tenants, so it's landlord, tenant, developer. You know, folks buying properties and and developing, and it's it, the delivery timelines, the Continuous use clauses, especially for restaurants, it seems like uh, operating covenants, construction timelines, deliverables still get a ton of time when either negotiating a lease or any operating covenant or anything like that. Um, What constitutes force majeure, obviously, I think the restaurant example I gave you was if there is a government shutdown, um, obviously that could potentially be a force majeure event, should be for a restaurant, but if they can still operate, you know, the back of the house and do pickup and delivery, then maybe it's not a full closure. So they shouldn't get the benefit of force majeure. Um, Right now I think it kind of cuts both ways is force majeure. The definition um, wasn't really a focus before COVID. I think it was boilerplate language that everyone kind of put in documents and kind of ignored. And now obviously tenants want rent relief, uh, delivery schedules, whether COVID is specifically mentioned, right? I think a lot of parties can decide if they want to push that issue when negotiating or force on the generic or, or rely on the generic force majeure language that that points to labor troubles or suppliers. Um, but it's, it, it seems like that is one of the biggest things that I'm, that I'm negotiating nowadays.
0: I'm seeing a lot of that too where um, and I think it makes complete sense, but where uh, pre covid you know we didn't think about this COVID hits and all of a sudden um, there are so many things the loan documents um didn't say about what to do in the case of a pandemic right it didn't fit neatly in any of the boxes and in fact if anything you could argue that it triggered events that surely was not meant to be the case so i think i'm seeing in reviewing loan documents from the business side post-covid that there are quite a few changes being made to like you were saying, to further clarify or define uh, what will happen in the event of another pandemic of some sort, you know, so. Uh, For sure.
1: I think the pandemic and those things are never used to be in force majeure clauses. And, And to your example, you have the loan docs. It trickles down from the loan document to the developer borrower to how they're getting treated by and what remedies recourse they have with their tenants. And trickles down further to suppliers of both the developer and the tenants, whether they can get in the space and get started. So it you know it's a it's a puzzle that you've gotta make sure all those pieces fit in together, you know, depending on who you're representing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things I think everyone is um, focused on looking forward, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is What's going to happen? Uh, and and you, you know, I think we could talk to 100 people and get 100 opinions here. But what's going to happen um, to office space and leases as a result of COVID? You you started out by talking about why you created your firm, and you know, there's clearly a lot of um, work from home and hybrid work arrangements that are being implemented everywhere. So, how how are you seeing? Um, are you seeing any signs of office leasing? kind of changing as a result of all this, uh, COVID, you know, changes?
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think it depends on the, both the user and the type of property. Um, I think there's somebody like myself as a solo practitioner and working with smaller entrepreneurial de- developers, you know, who, who really needs the office space, everybody can remote work. Uh, folks don't necessarily need conference centers. We can meet the, the folks that I'm working with who are wearing t-shirts, right? We can meet at a coffee shop. Whereas institutional shops, institutional lenders, um, the, the, the big brokered shops, uh, IS brokers, they, I think by and large, want the space. They like to have the people there um, and they're in class a office buildings. So I think they generally right, those, those type of shops and facilities are remaining open and maybe paying more attention to the COVID protocols. Whereas the smaller entrepreneurial shops don't need it, probably don't care um and are maybe more flexible I've got you know a few contacts that have had either at small shops mostly larger shops where they've got they've done work from home surveys and have found out I think that a lot of their employees you know don't want to come in all the time want to flex schedule mm-hmm. and it depends on how flexible the company is whether they're going to allow it or not and I think it's you know it's maybe a lot of millennial driven too, right? They want you know, more of those benefits and more flexibility. Whereas some of the older shops um, still want the big class, a full plate, full floor, class, a office buildings.
0: You represent a lot of tenants, right?
1: I do. I do a lot of, a lot of developer work, a lot of tenant work, um, but don't represent too many institutional shops, right? <laughs> right. They, they find safety yeah. in big law. And, you know, probably likewise, it's probably just not a, a good fit, right? I think the, the smaller entrepreneurial shops on both sides, you know, there's a benefit from me working with them and then working with us. And the, the larger shops, you know, do get a benefit and need, you know, the broad practice of a, a big law firm.
0: Yeah. Um, so are you, you're, um, are you seeing any of your tenants wanting more flexibility in their leases or anything different yet as a result of... Um, our changes?
1: Yeah, like I said, I think it's it, um, almost the front end. It's it, with development issues, right? I think you've got tenants who are going in and they've got you know, their inspection period. They've got delivery timelines. They got their permitting and they're very conscious now of, for example, um, you know, right when COVID hit immediately, government offices were shut down. And then even if they weren't shut down, they were backed up afterwards. So a simple act is getting an inspector out or getting a permit took months and months and months, if you could even get it done. right? So mm-hmm. so that was, to go back to your initial question, Like, a lot of folks were relying on force majeure for that. And now it's a little more specific as to, okay, if I can't get suppliers or supply chain is messed up, or there is actually a government mandate that shuts me down, do I have to come in? Is that a force majeure clause for delivery? And if I'm shut down, I can't get in there. Do I actually get rent relief? So that's now being negotiated too, not just a delay. Rent right? force majeure historically is a delay with providing something and hitting a timeline, but has never really excused the payment of monies, right, if it's negotiated properly. And, and that's now, I think, changing where even even rent is now being at least sought after to be relieved for certain force majeure events.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. Um, all right. Well, one last question before we uh, before we sign off. Um, any predictions for 22 that you want to share? Any insight? What do you What do you think is going to happen? I mean, who the heck knows, right? But but what's your prediction of commercial real estate in 22? Will it be more active, less active? What, what do you think will happen?
1: Man, I I don't know how it can be much more active than it has been in the last year or a couple quarters. But I don't. I certainly don't see it slowing down. I don't see it. I don't see it slowing down here locally or North Texas or Texas. I think we're in a great spot where development, you know, took a little pause 18 months, two years ago, and has has come back, you know, like gangbusters. It's, it hasn't slowed down. It's probably, you know, busier than it was and is going to continue to do that. But I think at least for the next couple of years, I don't see it slowdown down any of that. There's a ton of projects in the pipeline now that are, you know, a couple of year projects. So I don't, I don't see that slowing down. At some point you've got to assume it does, um, and then whatever I'm not I'm not in the business of predicting what happens, but with COVID, but I feel like we're <laughs> turning the corner um, if we haven't already, either because people are fatigued with COVID or worse, numb to COVID, um, and Omicron seems to be uh, not as bad once people get it, but. A variant that is taking over, so maybe that's a good thing, right? A a weaker variant that takes over is better for everybody, and the the, everything seems to be open up. So, so, I mean, I certainly don't see it slow down. That's for sure.
0: Good. I I think that's pretty much the what I've heard from from a lot of people, and so I hope that's absolutely correct. And you're right; no one's really in the game of predicting anything about COVID. And commercial real estate, but I love hearing your thoughts. So thank you for sharing your time with us today, Rob. I really appreciate you joining and, um, we'll, uh, you take care and we'll talk uh, soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thank Thank
1: you for having me and, uh, good luck. I appreciate the time.